Good morning. Good morning and welcome to chapel. It's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, I am very happy to welcome today Jennifer Stutzman, um, who works with our physical plant as the custodial staff supervisor. And she has graciously agreed to share with us some of her um, life journey and experience with faith um, this morning in chapel. As Jennifer and I have talked in preparation for this morning, I've been really um, struck and reminded by what maybe is an obvious truth, but that we overlook so often is that our community is really filled with a lot of truly remarkable people. Um, and I just was reflecting on how often we pass by each other um, without really knowing um, the many interesting and impactful stories that often lie behind familiar faces. And so this morning, I am grateful that we are able to hear one of those stories and to hear something of Jen's life and how God has been present and at work in her, in her experience. So as we come before God this morning, I invite you to join me in prayer. Loving God, in a world where we can walk past one another without really seeing the other, you remind us that you know us and that you have known us since you knit us together in our mother's wombs. Where we put on masks to protect ourselves, you see through to our inner heart. In a world of great violence, you hold us close with even greater love. Open our hearts to your love for us. Help us to live lives of gratitude and of praise in response to this love. As we hear Jennifer's story this morning, speak to us through her words and grant her the courage she needs to open her life to us through her testimony. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me when I am surrounded. Your love carries me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Your love is surprising. I can feel it rising. All this joy is side of me every time I see you all your goodness shines through and I can feel this God song rising up in me hallelujah 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 your love makes me sing hallelujah 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 your love makes me sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Lord of all Galaxy, you 
Good morning. Um, I'm Candida, and I'm a student here at Goshen College. And uh, today, it is such an honor and my pleasure to introduce an amazing woman of God to you who will be sharing with us her faith story today. The first time I met Jen was in my freshman year in a tiny prayer room in the basement of Kaufman. And from the beginning, she has struck me as a beautiful woman clothed with grace, a silent and faithful follower of Christ, a persevering prayer warrior who has stood through many trials. And the most beautiful of all is a heart that is full of gentleness and love and is after God. And she has become a role model to me in so many different ways. And she has shown me the true cornerstones of the kingdom of Christ. And she has shown me the most important things in our walk with God. And these are hope, love, and faith. So this morning, she'll be speaking from the scriptures. And it's taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will, he will make your path straight. And from, it's taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of all these, is love. I praise God that... He's given Jen an opportunity this morning to pour into your lives as he has poured into mine. And as I welcome her to the stage, I hope that you encourage her and listen to her as she speaks from her heart. Good morning. My thanks first to Bob Yoder for inviting me to share my story. What an honor it is to stand here in chapel. I do this with fear and trembling to honor Jesus. Please be patient. This is not something that I do in my own strength. It is who I am in him that gives me the courage to speak today. <clears throat> I do have an amazing story to share. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is scripture that was given to me when I was a child. <clears throat> I recently read a translation that said, trust me and stop trying to figure it all out yourself. That's the beginning of my story. I was born Pamela Joanne Freeman, 
January 30th, 1961. In two days, I will celebrate my 50th birthday. <clears throat> my mother, Phyllis, took her life when I was five. She was 30 years old. I was placed in child services, being the baby of the family, and my brother and sister were placed in Cary home. This was an orphanage in Lafayette, where I'm from. Every week, my father would come and pick me up, and we would go to the orphanage and get Donnie and Elaine, and from there, I was off to my grandparents' home for the day. During that time, I was placed in the home of Grace and Leroy Fultz. Grace worked for the welfare department, and we always had a steady stream of children placed in our home. Leroy worked at Purdue University as a janitor. One Sunday, my father never came back to pick me up. I stood in the window on a box waiting. I never saw him again. It would be years before I saw my brother and sister again and I learned about what happened. Abandoned. The truth was not given to me. I was told that my father was killed in a car accident. Years later, I learned that he had remarried and began a new life with a nurse he met. My father was an alcoholic and was in and out of Logansport Mental Hospital. He and my mother had divorced, and because her children were taken away by child services, she remarried, and I honestly still do not know why she overdosed. Grace and Leroy, with whom I was living, were not eager to adopt me. They had already raised five children, four sons and one daughter. They were already in their late 50s. My oldest brother from this family is 80, and I recently lost my sister Marion to stomach cancer. At the time of my adoption, Grace and Leroy's children were married with children, and I understand now that they had hoped that mom and dad would spend time with their grandchildren. My earliest memory of love was conditional. I did not fit in. I suffered verbal and sexual abuse during those early years. I was messed up. Grace and I did not get along very well, and she was still raising multiple children, and I was hungry for her acceptance and love. My sister and I were not close because she had to share her father. She had been the only girl. But at the age of eight, I was adopted, and a new name was given to me, Jennifer Sue Foltz. I now really had an identity crisis. Leroy retired in December of 1973. I was 12 when he passed away at the end of that month, December 29th. My world collapsed. I decided that I would never love anyone. It just hurt too much. You see, Leroy was a wonderful, gentle man who enjoyed his family. I have good memories of camping trips that we made as a family. He was a carpenter and he enjoyed working with wood. He had truly loved me, and now he was gone. Grace, unfortunately, made a decision to stop caring for the children and start a new life. I was a complete terror. I understand why she started the process of trying to place me back in the system. I had made her life hell. That was when her youngest son, Kenny, had asked to take me in with his family to raise. Kenny had two children, and we were close in age, and it looked like a good fit. I had a fresh start at a new life. I came out of my shell, 
became popular in school, boys were interested in me, and life looked pretty good on the outside. I started tightening that mask that I wore, guilt and shame, stuffed deep down inside. What if they knew the real me? I did not know how to handle love, so I hurt everyone that tried to love me. I was brought back home to live with Grace after my brother gave up. I had nearly destroyed his marriage with my rebel ways. Where does Jesus fit into this story? He sent many mentors that led me to him. I think I have attended just about every church denomination out there trying to find him. I ran to the altar multiple times trying to get saved. Why, God? Why did you make me? I always knew God, even from a young age. I was drawn to him like a magnet. I wanted him to love me. I kept trying to change on my own. I was trying to be good. I had heard that he was a father to the fatherless. Grace gave up legal rights of me when I was 15. The courts ruled that I could live wherever I chose, and the security check would follow as long as I had a legal guardian. You see, I drove Grace to the brink with running away, using tobacco and alcohol. She had just had enough. My years of high school are a blur. I functioned, but I did not engage. I started a co-op program to become a cosmetologist. I liked making others feel and look beautiful. It helped fill that huge hole of affirmation and love that I craved. I had a gift, and I started my journey as a hairdresser. I practiced for 18 years. In 1991, my former instructor invited me to go back to college and get my instructor's license. Grace died the day that I was at state taking my exams. I did graduate, and I worked at the college for three years as an instructor. I hated it. My life was a mess. I was in and out of churches, relationships, jobs. I was using drugs and abusing them. I had tried suicide multiple times, and each time I came back. I met my husband, Doug, during this time. We both had similar habits, and that worked for a while until he was arrested. I checked into rehab. He went to prison. That was a turning point in my life. He also gave his life back to Christ. Doug was released in 1993, and we were married in 1994. He was the first person that had showed me true, unconditional love. We have been married 17 years this year, and we are clean and happily married. We joined our Mennonite church in 1997, and that was when God really started revealing himself to me. I studied his word. My husband and I were active in a small group. God truly does love the misfits. Doug had spent two years of college back here in the 80s. His mother, Alberta, had worked here as a custodian for eight years. Doug talked about coming back here and going to college, and that's when I applied here for work as a custodian. In 1998, I was hired, and my first assignment was Kaufman Hall and all, and all off-campus housing. During that time, the Lord had given me the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It was everywhere. I knew he was trying to reach me, and I kept trying to figure out 
what it all meant. The very first day here, after I was told what I would be doing and where I was to clean, I was sure that I had made a very big mistake. What was I thinking? How could I do this work and show my devotion to my husband by working two years to put him through school so he could graduate and fulfill a dream that he had? When Steve Schreiner took me to the basement of Kaufman Hall to my office, I was inside wondering, how am I going to tell Doug that I can't do this? When the door closed and there was a great big angel poster on the back of the door that said faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I knew I was exactly where God wanted me. I later would be given this building as an assignment for four years. During that time, I met many students that I grew to love as my own children. I still have many of them that call me on Mother's Day, invite me to their weddings, invite me to dinner. We have fellowship. The faith that they have has fanned the flame in my faith journey. In fact, I can even remember standing right here on my breaks, pretending to give a sermon. I was already moving from teaching Sunday school to giving sermons in my church. It's incredible that God would use a broken sinner like me, and now here I stand, shaking, telling you what an amazing God he is. The lessons that I have been taught here at Goshen College, I have learned to love people. I have met the best people here. I have the utmost respect for the staff that I work with and the work that we do here every day. I do not feel worthy to be their leader. I know that the only way that this has happened is God working through me. I never dreamed that I would be able to do many of the things that I do here every day. Kevin Schrock was a teacher to me whom I greatly miss and respect. He interviewed me and he asked me, why do you want to work here? And I said, so I can learn how to be a servant. Clay Shuttler is the best supervisor I could ever ask for. He shared later that he was not sure that they should hire me. On paper, it looked like I was overqualified. Paper, that's all that was about. God knew that I did not graduate from my high school. I walked down the aisle at graduation with a blank diploma. My principal said that I could on the condition that I would attend summer school that summer to complete the credits I needed to get my diploma. I never went back. God will take you back to complete areas in your life that are not complete. After I started working here, I longed to take a class, so I contacted my high school, and I asked them if I could take the needed credits through IUSB. Yes, and I'm proud to say that I graduated from my high school in the year 2000. I have a signed diploma. Praise God. Well, now my mask has completely fallen off. How wonderful it is to be free in Christ. You see, it all makes sense to me now. God was taking something broken, my heart, and showing me his marvelous grace. I am who I am because of this. He gets all of the glory. Restoration, salvation, healing, faith, hope, and love. Gifts he freely gives to anyone who asks. I'm still a work in process. I can tell you that nothing is impossible with God. Years later, I did find my brother and sister. Elaine had been raised by our grandparents, 
My brother Donnie was placed in a mental hospital, and he never knew life on the outside. Central State's mental hospital closed a few years ago, and he started his life over on the streets. I have not seen him since I visited him there. Is he still alive? I don't know. I continue to pray for him. I have a sincere love for anyone struggling with mental illness. I still fight a fear that says I too will become a mental patient. The devil is good about reminding me of where I come from. Grace forgave me, and we had mended many years of pain before she died. My sister Marion and I, in the last five years, had started over, and we had forgiven each other of the past. I was given the honor of praying with her and thanking God that she knew him when she died. My brother Kenny has forgiven me too. And we have a beautiful relationship. He saw God change my life, and he also gave his life to Christ. He is my brother on paper, but really performed the role of a loving father many years ago. I cannot tell you how happy it makes me knowing that he loves me. God has gave me very many dear friends, some who have loved me like a mother, a sister, a grandparent, etc. I've always had love surrounding me. I'm so blessed. I thought I had to earn it. I failed time and time again. Jesus never fails. God has taken me back to many others that I've had to make amends to. I guess that's where the hope comes in in this story. I challenge you today not to lose hope in yourself or someone like me that looks like a hopeless case. God does his very best work in a surrendered sinner. Faith. Well, that is all consuming to me now. I want more of him. I wonder if I can ever love like Jesus. It is my goal. I still have times when I need to go have some good godly counseling. My low self-esteem, anger, failures of trusting people are all part of the work in process. I have come a long way, but I have a long way to go. My husband Douglas is the greatest gift that God has given me. He honors me with his presence here today. He did not return to college after I started here like we planned. God gave him the opportunity to own the business that we're buying in Napanee. We both have been so blessed. Many of you know that I was unable to conceive and went to great lengths to start a family. Sometimes the door closes. The answer is no. I have had so much support from many of you during that difficult point in my life. I believe now that I'm a mother to the students that I work with. I have adopted many of them through the years of my service here. It is my honor to say that I love you. Love is beautiful. God is love. I thank you for your time and listening. God is real. He still performs miracles. You're looking at one. I will have completed 13 years of service this year at Goshen College. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us that God is indeed love. And this next song comes out of that same chapter in 1 John. 
Um, so as we sing, I just invite you, even though you don't know exactly how it goes, um, you'll pick up quick enough and just really focus in on that love that God is extending to all of us this morning.
Jennifer, thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability um, and your willingness to share with us this morning. It's truly been a gift. Thank you. As we go from this place this morning, may we be reminded and may we truly believe that in the end, three things shall remain, faith, hope, and love, and that truly the greatest of these is love. Amen.